Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour. I'm your host, Justine Ward, and this week we have more classic holiday entertainment from radio's golden age. This week we chose two shows to make you laugh. First, we have the down-home humor of Judy Canova, with lots of light-hearted music and comedy sketches. She aspired to be a serious singer, but as a country bumpkin comedian, she made it big. She even inspired a fashion fad of pigtails and calico on campuses around the country. Her show is a mix of down-home humor and music. Her humorous, fictional family is perfect to inspire holiday laughter. The Judy Canova Show, first broadcast December 21, 1946, on NBC. From Hollywood, the Judy Canova Show, brought to you each week by the Colgate Palmolive Peak Company, makers of Palmolive Soap and Halo Shampoo. Palmolive Soap, your beauty hope, and Halo Shampoo to glorify your hair present the Judy Canova Show with Mel Blanc, Ruby Dandridge, Joe Kern, Ruth Parrott, the sportsman, Charles Dant and his orchestra, and starring Judy Canova. I just came back from a lovely trip along the Milky Way. I stopped off at the North Pole to spend a holiday. Judy and Aunt Aggie are planning to have a quiet Christmas party at their home in Brentwood. The house has been decorated with holly wreaths, and as we look in on them now, we find a festive holiday spirit in the air. Oh, Judy, I love the Christmas season. So do I, Aunt Aggie. It seems like old times. The stores are all crowded, and everybody's buying again. Yeah, Aunt Aggie, everybody's buying again. Nobody's paying, but everybody's buying. (laughs) After all, why pay cash? That takes money, you know. Got to watch those things. <laughs> well, Judy, uh, this week comes Santa Claus in the spirit of giving. Yep, and next week comes Santa Anita in the spirit of taking. <laughs> Golly, things sure are different than they were during the war, though. What do you mean, Judy? 
Well, in 1945, every G.I. was saying, I wonder how I'll get out of this foxhole before Christmas. In 1946, every ex-G.I. is saying, I wonder how I'll get out of the hole after Christmas. <laughs> uh, Judy, did you receive any more Christmas cards today? No, but the folks back in Cactus Junction had a reunion, and they sent me a picture of the family group. Look at there, 42 of them. My, what an impressive aggregation. Yeah, ain't they a mess? <laughs> Judy, I'm glad we're only having a small Christmas party tonight. I prefer it to a large party. A large party? <laughs> Somebody talking about me. <laughs> uh -huh. Hello, Geranium. Say, for a Christmas present, I'm going to buy you something to wear. Hmm. What size are you? Are you a stylish stout 38? No, I'm an outlandish fat 52. <laughs> What do you actually measure? Fifty-two. Where? Anywhere. Geranium, <laughs> tell me something. What's your boyfriend Pomeroy going to get you for Christmas? Oh, honey, he really went to town this year. Yeah, he took me into a store and he said, Sugar pie, pick out anything in the store and I'll buy it for you. Never mind the price. Golly, what store were you in? Woolsworth. <laughs> well, listen, uh, do, do you and Pomeroy still have a terrific crush on each other? Oh, yeah, Miss Judy. We have little spats once in a while, but Pomeroy says we'll still be engaged no matter what happens. Ooh, what made him say that? He can't get the ring off my finger. <laughs> Judy, Judy, you'd better hurry downtown if you're going to do your last-minute shopping for the party tonight. Aunt Aggie, I'm almost afraid to ride on those crowded buses. Are the buses really crowded? Are they crowded? Yesterday, on a bus, my back started to itch, and when I scratched it, the woman next to me said, thanks. <laughs> yes, sir, and you'll never catch me hanging onto a strap again on a bus, neither. Why not, Judy? Well, when the bus got to Vine Street, a man said, Lady, here's where I get off. Would you mind letting go of my suspenders? <laughs> I did. You should have seen what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. Uh, what bus? Are I you ain't going to tell you. Need to ask me. I ain't... <laughs> uh, what bus are you going to take downtown, Judy? I'm going to take the fastest bus in town, the one that goes down Sunset Boulevard. The Sunset Bus? Yeah. It leaves for Los Angeles at sunrise and gets there at sunset. <laughs> Oh, Judy, isn't the Christmas season a joyous time of year? Yeah, and the part I like best of all is when Santa Claus comes down the chimney and goes back on the roof, takes his whip in his hand, and says to his reindeer, Pardon me for talking in your face, senorita. <laughs> oh, hello, Pedro. Say, you seem all excited. Oh, I am, senorita. I'm going to my girl's house. I'm going to get a piece of mistletoe and hang it on my nose. <laughs> Pedro, what are you going to put it on your nose for? I want to have some fun on my own hook. <laughs> Last year, I hung a whole branch on the end of my nose. Oh, did your girl kiss you? When she wanted to, but she kept beating around a bush. <laughs> Senorita, when I did kiss her, her face got all red and her eyes closed. Pedro, you must have given her a terrific kiss. No, Senorita, the mistletoe was poison ivy. <laughs> Pedro, how do you entertain your girl? Well, when we are alone in the parlor, we turn all the lights down low. We leave only one light burning, just enough to make a little shadow. 
Then I tell her to watch my hands. Ooh. Then what do you do? I make a shadow of a bunny on the wall. <laughs> Pedro, tonight we're having a Christmas party, and I want you to dress up like Santa Claus and hand out our presents. Oh, see, Senorita, I will. But first I have to go downtown and do some shopping. Oh, I almost forgot, golly, Pedro, so do I. I better hurry. <laughs> Here's your floor, lady. Thanks. Oh, may I help you, lady? Yeah, Mr. Floorwalker. I want to fill some Christmas stockings with assorted nut candy and oranges. Do you wait on nuts? Oh, lady, we wait on anybody. <laughs> well, that's good. I've got a lot of different things to get. Now, where are the ladies' girdles? I beg your pardon? Where are ladies' girdles? Oh, just where they've always been. <laughs> Yes, you'll find them between neckwear and hosiery. Pardon me, senorita. Oh, hello there, Pedro. What are you going to buy? Oh, I'm going to buy my girlfriend a sweater. She's a regular sweater girl. Oh, I'll bet you don't even know what a sweater girl is. Gee, a sweater girl is a girl who works in a sweater factory. Senorita, where did you get that question? <laughs> Where'd you get that answer? <laughs> well, come on now, Pedro. I gotta buy something down in the sports department. I ain't taking no more chances. Well, Senorita, what is taking chances got to do with the sports department? Well, last night I dreamed I was chasing Van Johnson and I couldn't catch him. Tonight I'm taking the bicycle to bed with me. <laughs> Remember, doctors prove Palmolive's beauty results. It's true. Doctors prove Palmolive soap can bring two out of three women a more beautiful complexion in just 14 days. And this plan was tested on women with all types of skin. Even women with dry skin, oily skin, rough skin, women in their 50s, even women whose skin wasn't clear. Yes, 36 doctors, leading skin specialists, have proved the 14-day Palmolive plan improves all types of skin. Yes, brings fresher, brighter, younger-looking complexions. Start your 14-day Palmolive plan now. It's as simple as one, two, three. Here's all you do. One. Wash your face with Palmolive soap. Two. Then massage your face for 60 seconds with Palmolive soft, lovely lather. You see, one full minute of this cleansing massage brings your skin Palmolive's full, beautifying effect. Three. Then rinse. Do this just three times a day for 14 days. And that's all. Remember, doctors prove this beauty plan with Palmolive soap brought two out of three of all women tested a more beautiful complexion in just 14 days, no matter what beauty care they used before. So get palm olive soap. See what palm olive can do for your own complexion in only 14 days. And for tub or shower, for loveliness all over, get the new big thrifty bath size palm olive. And now back to Judy Canova and the sportsman. Sportsman, suppose you take over. Judy, Judy, we've been thinking just how nice you've been to us. It's two years now we've been with you and you've never raised a fuss. We've been buying Christmas presents, that is where we just came from. We got one for dear Jack Benny, though for him we just go. Mm. 
But for you we've got a dandy, we've been practicing so long. Merry Christmas, Miss Canova, please accept our little song. Lightly flying o'er the snow with a hey ha 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 ho ha ho, with sleigh bells ringing gaily, singing merrily we go. All the world a blanket white of snow, so cold and crisp and light, with sharp winds blowing, we are going onward through the night. Hey ah oh la, hey ah oh la.
The fire in the stove is out, Ma. How do you know, Pa? I'm setting on it. <laughs> Ma, I sure wished we had some wood for the stove. Well, what's the matter with the axe? I already burned that. <laughs> Looks like a storm is a-blowing up. Yep, bad weather is brewing. What's Grandpa doing down in the cellar? He's brewing something, too. <laughs> but it ain't blowed up yet. Gonna pass out the presents tonight, ain't we, Ma? Yeah, Pa. Where's Willie? Willie fell down the well, Ma. <laughs> That's too bad, Pa. Get me a pencil. What for? I want to scratch Willie's name off on the Christmas list. <laughs> hey, where's Grandma? She's sick. What's she sick of? Grandpa. <laughs> she ought to be a taking her medicine. What time do it be, Pa? I'll have to take a look at my jeans hanging up on the wall. How can you tell time by watching your jeans? They're my long jeans. <laughs> Ain't seen Grandma for days. Does she know the war's over? Don't think so. He's been a-jumping on tin cans all day to flatten them for the salvage drive. <laughs> it sure is a mess. Why, Ma? I've been a-scraping beans off the wall all day. <laughs> Ma... Are you sure this is Christmas Eve? Why, Pa? If it ain't, I've washed my socks for nothing. <laughs> I even took a bath. Did you scrub real hard, Pa? I guess I must have. I found an old union suit I thought I lost last year. <laughs> In the spring. I said where, not when. <laughs> I reckon we're all ready for Christmas, Paul. What's for Christmas dinner, Ma? Same thing, Paul. Pig's knuckles and sow belly. For a change, I sure wished we'd get something a little higher up on the pig. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
what'd you get me for Christmas, Pa? I finally got you the picket fence you always wanted, Ma. The picket fence? Yeah. I sure hope old man picket don't notice it's missing. <laughs> there's nothing I wouldn't do for you, Ma. And there's nothing I wouldn't do for you, Pa. Yep. That's marriage. Nobody does nothing for no. <laughs> Somebody coming up on the porch, Pa. Answer the door. Hello, door. <laughs> oh, it's Judy's boyfriend, Lucy. Howdy, Luke. <laughs> Merry Christmas, folks. I brought Judy this little dog for Christmas. Hey, had a cute dog, Pa. to the dog's tail, Lukey. It's gone. How come? Well, he was chasing his tail all week and he finally won. <laughs> See, I bet Judy's going to accept my proposal tonight. What's you to sign of when your left hand at yours? You're going to get money. What if your right hand at yours? Company's coming. What if you itch all over? That means the company's already arrived. <laughs> You get your family for Christmas, Lukey. Well, I'd give them some palm olive soap. Oh, that's mighty nice. That'll give them the first white Christmas they've had in years. <laughs> Judy missed you last night, Lukey. Where was you? <laughs> I went to a genuine nightclub by Dee Dunnies. Like, you know, they had a dancer there, and she was painted all over with silver paint. She was a novelty dancer, but the police arrested her. How come? The novelty wore off. <laughs> Lucy, you go sit in the parlor with Judy. Later on, Pa's coming down the chimney like Santa Claus. We'll all be a giant in your lips. And that, Aggie, that was a typical Christmas Eve in Cactus Junction. Oh, look, Judy, Pedro has nearly finished trimming the Christmas tree. He's just putting the star on top. Yeah. Hey, Pedro, be careful. That ladder's starting to sway. Oh, I'm all right, Senorita. Pedro, will you come down from up there? I'm all right, Senorita. Oh, Aunt Aggie, I can't look. Oh, don't worry, Senorita. I'm all... I'm all... I... I... Pedro! <laughs> Are you all right? Pedro, speak to me. Say something. Merry Christmas, Senorita. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Pedro. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello, everybody. 
is the shampoo that glorifies your hair. So halo, everybody, halo. Use halo shampoo if you want naturally bright and beautiful hair. Remember, even finest soaps and soap shampoos hide the natural luster of your hair with dulling soap film. But Halo contains no soap, therefore cannot leave dulling soap film. The first time you use Halo, your hair glistens in all its natural brilliance. The natural color and luster shine through like sunshine through a clean window pane. And remember, even in hardest water, Halo makes oceans of rich, fragrant lather. Halo quickly carries away loose dandruff and grease, needs no lemon or vinegar rinse, because Halo leaves no dulling soap film. Nothing to hide your hair's natural beauty. Say hello to Halo and goodbye to dulling soap film. Use Halo on your children's hair, too. Get Halo shampoo at any cosmetic counter. Remember, Halo glorifies your hair. So Halo, everybody, Halo. Halo shampoo, Halo. Ladies and gentlemen, Judy Canova would like to sing a little song which she thinks reflects the true spirit of Christmas. Each Christmas season, my eyes grow bright, and there's a reason my heart feels so light. The gentle snow from heaven falling helps paint the picture I'm recalling. I see Christmas candles on a Christmas tree. Christmas tree. And they light a lovely Yuletide reverie. Reverie. In the candlelight so dim, we would sing a Christmas hymn as the church bell This is Vern Smith asking you to follow the 14-day palm olive plan for a lovelier complexion and be sure to use Halo Shampoo to glorify your hair. Ladies and gentlemen, the National Safety Council gives us some very startling statistics. The council tells us that the traffic death toll during the Christmas holidays is almost three times as great as for any similar period during the rest of the year. During the holidays, the increased travel, the Christmas rush and activity, shopping, family reunions and the careless gay spirit of both pedestrians and drivers result in sharply increased accidents. But this terrible toll can be reduced. In fact, every accident is a preventable one. So don't let death take your holiday. Be careful. Be cautious. 
Be sure you won't have an accident this Christmas. Now, here's Judy. Folks, it was awfully nice being with you tonight, and I hope we'll all be together again next Saturday night. In the meantime, please don't forget the two products that bring us together each week. Palm Olive Soap and Halo Shampoo, the bestest in the world. This is Judy Canova from Hollywood wishing you all a Merry Christmas and singing. Go to see the little baby. Go to see the little baby. When you wake your patty patty cake, you are Judy Canova's show is written by Fred Fox and Henry Hoople with John Ward and Hank Ladd and is produced and directed by Joe Ryan. Here's news for Dennis Day fans. Starting Christmas night, the Dennis Day Show will be broadcast on Wednesday night. Remember, next week, tune in the Dennis Day Show, Christmas night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. You're listening to the Old Time Radio Hour broadcast each week over the World Wide Web. I'm your host, Justine Ward. Next, we have our Miss Brooks, the selfless and single English teacher who always finds creative ways to get through the holidays. And we know what her dream present is, Mr. Boynton. Enjoy Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, Letter to Santa, first broadcast December 18, 1949, on CBS. Old Gay Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. And Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, written by Al Lewis. Well, the holiday season is practically with us. To Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, it means more than just a respite from the rigors of a difficult school term. Yes, it means that I'll get a chance to relax and observe the change that takes place in people as Christmas approaches. It's almost visible, the spirit of camaraderie and warm good fellowship which flows between us like a bountiful stream. I only hope that this season our beloved principal, Mr. Osgood Conklin, will get a little on him. I was talking about his temper to my landlady last Friday morning at breakfast. I can't understand it, Mrs. Davis. Everything I do lately seems to rub Mr. Conklin the wrong way. What do you mean, Connie? Well, take yesterday, for instance. I was in his office when I saw his lighted cigar lying on the rug unnoticed. Naturally, I stooped over and picked it up. Wouldn't you? Well, I gave up smoking a long time ago. (laughs) I didn't want the office to catch on fire, Mrs. Davis. So I merely put the cigar in an ashtray. You might not believe this, but he was furious. Because you put his cigar back in the ashtray? Well, it wasn't exactly an ashtray. I guess I should have noticed it was an inkwell. (laughs) Oh, and when you put his cigar in the inkwell, it went out? That isn't the end I put in the inkwell. (laughs) Three puffs later, Mr. Conklin could have won first prize in the chow dog contest. You'd think having a blue tongue was a crime. (laughs) Maybe it was the taste of the ink he objected to. He's always been a finicky eater anyway. (laughs) But forget about Mr. Conklin, Connie. Just stay out of his way as much as possible. Believe me, I'll do my best, Mrs. Davis. Say, that's quite a batch of mail you've got there. Is it all for you? Mail? Oh, this isn't incoming mail, Connie. These are the letters I picked up from all the kids in the neighborhood. You see, um... 
Bush's department store has a contest each year in which the child who writes the best letter to Santa Claus gets his choice of anything in the toy department. Oh, and you're Santa's helper. Mm -hmm. I shop there anyway, so I just drop them off for the kids. They write such cute letters, some of them. Reminds me of the one you wrote to Santa when you were seven years old. Me? Where did you see that, Mrs. Davis? Forgive me, Connie, but I got it right here. I took it out of your old album. You know, the scrapbook with the souvenirs in it. You had it out last night. Remember? Oh, that's right. I thought I might run across some souvenir money in it. <laughs> Let's see the letter, Mrs. Davis. Here you are, dear. Read it out loud. I get such a kick out of it. All right. It says, Dear Sandy Claus, look at this spelling, S-A-N-D-Y-C-L-A-W-S-S-S. <laughs> That's nice, one S for each claw. Read on, dear. I don't want you to bring me very much toys at all, because then you would not have enough for all the other little children. Wasn't I a doll? <laughs> Please, Sandy, just bring me a slate with some chalk and a eraser and some crayons and a ruler on account, because when I grow up, I want to be a English teacher. Signed, Connie Brooks, age seven. <laughs> Isn't that touching, Mrs. Davis? Even at that tender age, I was already planning my future poverty. <laughs> You knew what you wanted, all right. Now, I'll just set these letters on the sideboard and pour us some coffee. Here's your cup, Connie. Thanks, Mrs. Davis. I'd better hurry. Walter Denton is picking me up this morning. Can we give you a lift? No, thank you. I'm going over to Bush's department store. They have a contest each year in which a child who writes the best letter to Santa Claus gets a... Um, His choice um, of anything in the toy department? How did you know, Connie? You just finished telling me, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> oh, so I did. Now, where in the world did I put those letters? What have you done to your car, Walter? Seems to have quite an air about it this morning. It's nothing but your own aromatic presence, Miss Brooks. <laughs> well, thanks, Walter, but I'm not what I mean. Wait a minute, here's a cigar on the seat between us. Oh, probably dropped out of my dad's pocket. I drove him to work this morning. Say, do you mind if I keep it? It might make a nice good morning gesture to Mr. Conklin. I can use one at this point. Oh, sure. My dad's got a pocket full of cigars. But what's wrong with you and old Marblehead? <laughs> Mr. Conklin. <laughs> Are you in the doghouse, Miss Brooks? Where I am shouldn't happen to a dog, Walter. <laughs> but maybe this little peace offering will help. Smells awfully sweet for a cigar. Oh, it isn't the cigar that has that sweet smell, Miss Brooks. That's Miss Enright. Where is she sitting? In the glove compartment? <laughs> no, I just dropped her off at the beauty parlor. She was wearing a new perfume. She said it was called Voodoo. Kind of clings to the upholstery, doesn't it? <laughs> just like Miss Enright. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Walter. I shouldn't speak that way about another member of the faculty. Forget I said anything. Oh, sure. I know there's no love lost between you two. Although, Miss Enright did pay you a rather nice compliment this morning. She did? Yes, ma'am. She said she thought it was wonderful how you taught the subject of English. Miss Enright said that? Just before she went into the beauty parlor. She said that anybody who could teach a language to so many kids for such a long time, in spite of her obvious difficulty in speaking that language, should get a medal. <laughs> Maybe the dryer will fall on her. <laughs> By the way, Walter, did Miss Enright mention her reason for going to the beauty parlor so early in the morning? Oh, come to think of it, she did. She said she was going out with Mr. Boynton after school. 
But today's Friday, the day Mr. Boynton usually takes me to the zoo. Well, it's also a special occasion for Miss Enright. It's her birthday. And you know something, Miss Brooks? She came right out and told me your age. How old did she say she was, Walter? Twenty-seven. I guess that's why Mr. Boynton has to take her out today instead of you. I still don't see what Miss Enright's birthday has to do with it. He didn't take her out last year when she was 27. <laughs> or the year before when she was 28. Ah, 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 Miss Brooks. I seem to detect the presence of the green-eyed monster in this vehicle. She can't possibly be back from the beauty parlor yet. <laughs> oh, it just makes me mad, Walter, the way some women try to keep their ages hidden. Why, if anybody wanted to make it their business, they could find out my age in a minute. How old are you, Miss Brooks? None of your business. <laughs> There's Mr. Conklin going into his office, Miss Brooks. Now's your chance to slip in that cigar. Right, Walter. See you in class. Uh, good morning, Mr. Conklin. Good morning, Miss Brooks. Have a cigar? Cigar? Yes, sir. I just happen to have it on me. That is, <laughs> a gentleman friend left it in my compact. Uh... Here. It's brand new. No ink on it. Thanks, Miss Brooks. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll withdraw to the safety of my office while I'm still ahead. Yes. <laughs> Goodbye, Mr. Conklin. Goodbye. Good morning, Miss Brooks. Hello, Miss Enright. Walter Denton tells me that today's your birthday. Well, yes, darling, it is. Happy birthday. I shall bask in the warmth of that greeting all day. Well, I'm sorry, Miss Enright, but I don't think it's fair of you to make Mr. Boynton break a date with me just because it's your birthday. Oh, I didn't make him do anything, Miss Brooks. It's obviously a matter of preference. Put down a brightly colored gay silk scarf and an old gray shoe, and even a baby will reach for the scarf. Are you calling me an old gray shoe? <laughs> well, if it fits, darling, slip it on. <laughs> Now, look, Miss Enright, I don't want to be rude to you on this of all days, especially since I realize that your birthday is one holiday which has been celebrated in this neighborhood for countless generations. <laughs> but every Friday, Mr. Boynton takes me to the zoo. That's very cooperative, my dear, but if the zoo wants you badly enough, they'll come and get you. <laughs> now, you really must excuse me. I've got to find Walter Denton's car. I left a cigar in the front seat this morning. Oh, is that your cigar? I thought you smoked the pipe. <laughs> it's for Mr. Boynton. He's just a big overgrown boy when it comes to practical jokes, you know, so I bought that cigar for him in the magic shop. In the magic shop? Yes. It's an exploding cigar. <laughs> Not dangerous, of course, just full of soot. Oh, no. Excuse me, Miss Enright, but I've got to get back to Mr. Conklin's office right away. About that cigar I gave you, sir. Yes, Miss Brooks? Oh, yes! <laughs> Mr. are you all right? Why, yes. Yes, <laughs> I'm just dandy. But this soot all over my face. What do you suggest I do about that? What can you do, Mr. Conklin? Get down on one knee and sing April showers. <laughs> Starring Eve Arden will continue in just a moment, but first, here is Vern Smith. 
Now, proof that brushing teeth right after eating with Colgate Dental Cream helps stop tooth decay before it starts. Continuous research, hundreds of case histories, makes this the most conclusive proof in all dentifrice research on tooth decay. Eminent dental authorities supervise hundreds of college men and women for over two years. One group always brushed their teeth with Colgate right after eating. The other followed their usual dental care. The group using Colgate Dental Cream is directed, using Colgate's exclusively, showed a startling reduction in average number of cavities, far less tooth decay. The other group developed new cavities at a much higher rate. No other dentifrice offers proof of these results. Modern research shows decay is caused by mouth acids, which are at their worst right after eating. Brushing teeth with as directed, helps remove acids before they harm enamel. Yes, Colgate contains all the necessary ingredients, including an exclusive patented ingredient for effective daily dental care. So remember, always use Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. I finally convinced Mr. Conklin that the cigar episode should be included in my list of unpremeditated crimes. Then when lunch period dragged itself around, I hastened to the cafeteria to see if Miss Enright was with Mr. Boynton. She wasn't, so in four seconds flat, I was. (laughs) I waited all during lunch for him to break our date for that afternoon, but he remained strangely silent. So while we were drinking our coffee, I summoned all my feminine wiles and subtly remarked, is I is or is I ain't your baby? <laughs> what did you say, Miss Brooks? Nothing, Mr. Boynton. Here's a napkin. It's just that I get a distinct feeling of guilt emanating from your side of the table. Uh, guilt? What makes you say that? You paid for my coffee. <laughs> it's all right. You can pay for mine next time. I paid for yours last time. We're even. <laughs> but today is Friday, Mr. Boynton. Is that right? That's right. And we usually go to the zoo on Friday. Isn't that so? Yes, that's so. Well? Well, what? Is I is or is I ain't your baby? (laughs) If you mean am I keeping our engagement, Miss Brooks, well, a a funny thing happened this morning. On your way to the rabbit's cage? (laughs) Yes. As a matter of fact, I was in my lab when it happened. I remembered an appointment I made for this afternoon with somebody else. Namely? My, uh, uh, my grandmother. That's it. My grandmother came into town unexpectedly this morning, and I promised to take her out for the day. She's, uh, she's rather helpless, you see, because, well, she's quite far along in years. You're not just clacking your crockery, Doc. <laughs> it so happens, Mr. Boynton, that I know your grandmother. Y- you do? Yes, she's 27 years old, and she teaches English at Madison High School. Miss Brooks, I've decided that rather than stoop to deception, I'd better be honest about this thing. What I told you just now about my grandmother, it isn't true. No. No, I I made a date with Miss Enright for today, but only because it's her birthday, Miss Brooks. She she told me her folks were living in another part of the country. My folks live in another part of the country. Well, Miss Enright also said she didn't have too many friends. I don't have too many friends. But Miss Enright is 27 years old today. My folks live in another part of the country. I'm sorry, Miss Brooks. I just didn't want your feelings to be hurt. Don't worry about my feelings, Mr. Boynton. I've sent away for a plastic set. Hi, Miss Brooks, Mr. Boynton. Hello, Harriet. How are you, Harriet? Would you care to sit down? There's plenty of room at this table. Oh, thanks just the same, Mr. Boynton, but I've got to take this container of coffee to Daddy. Oh, is your father lunching in his office, Harriet? Yes. He says he's too embarrassed to eat in public today. 
There seems to be something on his neck he can't get off. The Board of Education? <laughs> it's some black stuff. He didn't want to talk about it too much. Here, Harriet, let me take that coffee down to him. Oh, it's I... the least I can do. You sit here and chat with Mr. Boynton, dear. He's very good company today, loaded with stories. <laughs> well, all right, Miss Brooks, if you say so. Here's the coffee, and here's some extra sugar. Daddy likes it plenty sweet. Thanks, Harriet. I'll, uh, I'll see you later, won't I, Miss Brooks? As we both get older, you mean? Oh, please drop into my lab after school. Maybe we can work something out. Perhaps we can all have a date together. Fine. I'll bring my grandfather for Miss Enright. Come in. I, I met your daughter in the cafeteria, Mr. Conklin, and she gave me this coffee to bring you. What happened to her? Pull up lame? <laughs> Well, as a matter of fact, sir, I wanted to sort of atone for some of my earlier transgressions. Well, don't stand there. Pour some coffee in a cup for me, please. Yes, sir. I'll just get this cover off. It's on pretty tight. Well, I hope it's hot. If there's anything I can't stand, it's cool coffee. Oh, I'm sure it's piping hot, Mr. Conklin. I can tell by the way the container feels. Let, let, me, let me help you. No, it's coming now. Piping hot. <laughs> Observe the steam rising from my trousers where you're <laughs> Miss Brooks, yesterday you dipped my cigar in the inkwell. This morning you gave me one that exploded in my face. And now, thanks to you again, a container of hot coffee is running down my leg. <laughs> well, don't. Stand there, Miss Brooks. What have you to say for yourself? Is it sweet enough, Mr. Conklin? <laughs> if it isn't Miss Brooks, come in. <laughs> I said come in. You are Osgood Conklin? I am. And no doubt you heard of Bush's department store. I have. Well, I'm Bush. I'm a little pooped myself. <laughs> Out. Yeah, I'll be brief, Mr. Conklin. Each year, my store gives away contest prizes to children who write in the best letters to Santa Claus. Now, we like to choose some prominent citizens in our community to play Santa for this occasion. Hence, my visit here. Uh, my dear Mr. Bush, if you're suggesting that I involve myself in the squalling clamor of hundreds of children in a department store, put it out of your mind. But, Mr. Conklin... You we... have no way of knowing this, of course, but I'm a person with extremely high blood pressure and acute hypertension. Playing Santa to a band of yowling brats is out of the question. But I've invited all the photographers and reporters, Mr. Conklin. You'll get at the very least a two-column picture in every paper. I'm sorry. It's absolutely unthinkable for me to... to, to uh, two-column picture? <laughs> of course. You see, we've picked the winning letter, and you're the ideal choice to present the grand prize this afternoon. Why me? Because you're a school principal. And the contest winner is a little seven-year-old girl who wants to be a teacher when she grows up. A teacher? Well, I guess I can arrange it. I'd hate to disappoint a child, especially this obviously backward little tyke. 
What time shall I be there, Mr. Bush? Uh, four o'clock sharp, please. And thank you so much for accepting our invitation. You're welcome, I'm sure. Now, if you'll excuse me, sir, I must inspect some new gym equipment that just arrived. Of course, Mr. Carter. Oh, before I leave your office, may I use the phone? Uh, certainly. Right there on my desk. I'll see you at four, Mr. Bush. Right, thank you. Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> Hello, this is Davis speaking. Oh, this is Mr. Bush of Bush's department store. My secretary gave me your phone number, Mr. Davis. Told me what a grand job you've done of rounding up the children's letters in our letter to Santa contest. I was glad to help, Mr. Bush. Thank you, Mr. Davis. Now, there's just one bit of information I need from you. Do you know where uh, Connie Brooks lives? Connie Brooks? Certainly. She lives right here with me. Well, that's a coincidence. Could I speak with her? Not now. She's still in school. <laughs> of course. It's not three o'clock yet. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was just getting ready to pick her up. One of the students in school with her usually takes her home, but he's busy today. I see. Well, Miss Davis, you can do me a great favor. Instead of taking her home today, bring Connie right over to our store. What for? You'll see. What kind of toys does she favor, Mrs. Davis? Toys. Connie doesn't play with toys. Oh, the serious type, eh? Well, bring her over as early as you can, Mrs. Davis, so I can get acquainted with her. She'll probably warm up a bit after a nice romp in the sand pile. <laughs> now, remember, Mrs. Davis, don't tell her why she's coming to the store. I'd like it to be a surprise. It'll be a surprise, all right. <laughs> Now, will you please tell me what we're doing in Bush's department store, Mrs. Davis? I haven't enough money left to buy a Christmas seal, let alone do any shopping. Be patient, Connie. We'll find out as soon as I can locate Mr. Bush. I know. Let's cut out for the sand pile. It's right over there in the toy department. All right, but I... Oh, look, there's Mr. Boynton. Oh, hello, Miss Brooks, Mrs. Davis. Hello, Mr. Boynton. Excuse me just a moment, won't you? I'll go on ahead, Connie, and find Mr. Bush. Fine, Mrs. Davis. Well, Mr. Boynton? Doing a little last-minute Christmas shopping? Oh, not exactly, Miss Brooks. Miss Enright asked me to come over here right after school. She's, uh, she's crazy about children, she says, and they're having some sort of contest here today. Where is she now? Oh, she's in the hardware department picking up a new roaster. She says next to children, she likes nothing better than cooking and housework. I bet she's terribly decent to animals, too. <laughs> I, I'm sorry I didn't see you after school, but Miss Enright insisted we leave at once. After all, it is... Her birthday today, I know, Mr. Boynton. I had a hunch you two would wind up alone. Oh, we're only going to a movie, Miss Brooks. Donald O'Connor in Francis just opened at the state. It's the story of an army mule. Oh? That's where you're taking Miss Enright? That's right. What are you trying to do, start your own mule train? <laughs> got the most charming pot, darling. Oh, you've acquired one of your own, haven't you, Mr. Barnes? <laughs> Hello, Prudence. <laughs> Hooked any interesting children lately? <laughs> please, ladies, please, let's get over to the toy department. They're getting ready for the ceremonies. The spotlight was just turned on that platform. Oh, fine, Mr. Boynton. I just adore toys. Well, why don't you act your age? <laughs> Come along, Miss Brooks. I see Mrs. Davis right in the front row. Attention, attention, quiet, please, children, quiet, children, quiet. Here, without further ado, is your old friend, Santa Claus. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Merry Christmas, kiddies. Why, that's Mr. Conklin. Is it really? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> of course, I'd recognize that bloodthirsty cheerfulness anywhere. 
Here's the prize-winning letter in the contest. I suppose you read it out loud and will surprise the author, who I know is among those listening. Surely, surely. <clears throat> it says, Dear Sandy Claus, spelled C-L-A-W-S-S-S. -S -S. <laughs> That's nice. One S for each claw. I don't want you to bring me very much toys at all, because then you would not have enough for all the other little children. Isn't she a doll? <laughs> Wait a minute. This sounds awfully familiar. Please, Sandy, just bring me a slate with some chalk and a eraser and some crayons and a ruler, because when I grow up, I want to be a English teacher. Oh, no. Signed, Connie Brooks, age seven. Now, if this little girl will step up... <laughs> Connie Brooks! <laughs> you sound like you know this girl, Mr. Conklin. Now, let's get her up to the platform. Where are you, honey? You, Mr. Bush, down here. I'm Mrs. Davis. Oh, hello, Mrs. Davis. The girl you're looking for is standing right here beside me. What? Who are you? I'm Connie Brooks, age seven. Miss <laughs> Brooks, what's the meaning of this? Yes, what is this hoax? Oh, there was no hoax intended, gentlemen. Mrs. Davis must have absentmindedly put my letter in with the other kids. When I wrote that letter, I was actually seven years old. You were never that young, darling. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. The press and photographers will be here any minute. Give me that bag of toys, Mr. Conklin. This girl gets nothing. Now, hold on there, Mr. Bush. The contest rules clearly state that the winner must be a child. If Miss Brooks was seven years old when she wrote that letter, she, she's entitled to take home anything she wants from the toy department. Yeah. I think you've got something there, Mr. Boynton. Oh, uh, this is terribly embarrassing. Miss Brooks, if you'll just leave the premises before the press arrive, you may have anything in the toy department you desire. What do you want? Uh, Mr. Bush, this is Mr. Boynton. Wrap him up. <laughs> Martin returns in just a moment, but first... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight? Yes, tonight. Show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Luster cream, world's finest shampoo. No other shampoo in the world gives K. Dumas magic blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Not a soap, not a liquid. Luster cream shampoo leaves hair three ways lovelier. Fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft, manageable. Even in hardest water, luster cream lathers instantly. No special rinse needed after a luster cream shampoo. So gentle, luster cream is wonderful even for children's hair. Tonight, yes, tonight, try luster cream shampoo. Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. And now, once again, here is Eve Arden. This Christmas, give yourself and your family the gift that keeps on giving, United States savings bonds, the present with the future. And buy savings bonds regularly. Start preparing now for those things you know you're going to want and need in the future. If you're on a regular payroll, use the Easy Payroll Savings Plan. If you're self-employed, use the Bond a Month Plan. 
Invest today in security, your own economic security and the security of your country. Buy United States savings bonds today. Next week, tune into another Our Miss Brooks show brought to you by Luster Cream Shampoo, the soft, glamorous, caressable hair, and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler, Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Mary Jane Croft, and Hal March. Here's good shaving news. Three men out of every four can get more comfortable, actually smoother shaves with Plum Olive Brushless Shaving Cream. This is not just a claim. Here's the proof. 1,297 men tried the Plum Olive Brushless Way to Shave described on the tube. And no matter how they shaved before... Three men out of every four got more comfortable, actually smoother shaves. Try Plumolive Brushless yourself. See if you don't get more comfortable, actually smoother shaves, the proved Plumolive Brushless way. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at this same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. You have been listening to the Old Time Radio Hour, broadcast each week over the World Wide Web. You can subscribe at no charge through iTunes, Podbean, or RSS. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us again next week for another hour of holiday entertainment from the golden age of radio. Until then, this is your host, Justine Ward, saying, So long for now. Mm-hmm.